Hi, it's Paul. Hi, it's Damo. And it's time for the PD Sports Podcast. With Damo and Paul. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 47 of the PD Sports Podcast. Hopefully, you guys are doing well. Once again, it has been a big couple weeks uh, of sport, and I am joined by Damo. Big fella, how you going? We're gonna we're gonna have a fun one in this podcast. If I get through this podcast, this is nearly as big as an achievement. Let me make it a hundred a couple of weeks ago because everybody <laughs> demo has got the Rona. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna soldier through because the pod needs to be done because this pod has been two and a half weeks in the making. Yeah, and I think it's more we couldn't let it go because of how much has been happening as well, and that's the thing. Like, if it'd been a couple quiet weeks. It's even with an international break in between as well, which is it's just it's just it's just been meant it's been mental the amount of sport. Me and you've been busy. We've had a wedding in between all of this, probably where I've got the Rona from, right? Uh, but there's been so much sport on. Uh, I, I've got a heap of meds in me. I've got some stronger meds that have been prescribed for me because Rona's really thrown me. But um, look, we're gonna get through this because this is gonna be an absolutely absolutely amazing pod and I'm not going to get Rona keeping me down. You know, I don't know what the good news is for this. There's definitely a way now that I can watch the Formula 1, the Masters and Liverpool versus City all this weekend without falling asleep because my body won't let me sleep. So it's going to be good. There we go. So speaking of Liverpool to start with, I think we'll just touch base. Saturday night, early kickoff against Watford 2-0. Pretty comfortable. Um, Just one of those standard ones at the moment, isn't it? I think the scoreline does flatter it a little bit where obviously we scored a penalty with the, within the last minutes of the game. But, you know, standard again. Nice to see some of the familiar faces on the scoreboard. Nice to see Fabinho as well take a penalty because uh, I think everyone forgets that he came across from Monaco with a really good penalty record. So nice to just reassure that, us. you know, you're talking Salah, Milner, Fabinho as your top three penalty takers. Not many clubs can say they've got three big dogs in that moment. How do you sort of break down the game sort of after the, you know, obviously Saturday we didn't watch it live, but uh, how do you break it all down for post-wedding? Um, uh, well, what I will say is touching on the penalty thing, you throw Mane into that and you probably throw Bobby who's taken penalties for us in the past as well. And you're looking at that and you're going, wow. And then you've got Henderson on top of that who can take a pen. So And Trent, Verge. Yeah, yeah, there you go. If we have seen it already this year that we know how to take penalty shootouts, hello, Chelsea, how are you? Um, but, uh, you know, if we ever needed to go down that route of penalties come Champions League and or penalties come FA Cup, up, you know, whatever, uh, I, I'll back us in. But in terms of the game, um, I did watch the first half at the wedding because I'm antisocial, but I did sit at a table full of Liverpool supporters, so we were just popping off in the back. Um, and uh, I think that was during the speeches. So, Dom, shout out, love you, mate. But uh, half your speech was being watched, watching us go one new up, um, and a few other boys, including myself, celebrating the back. Uh, but uh, <laughs> then uh, second half, well, I've watched that back uh, the day after on the Sunday morning. And look, I thought, look, it's it, it's what you want from this time of the year. You don't care how the result comes. Just get the result, move to the next game. And this was the burning that I worried about the most because this was the game where we knew if we had to win yep. to make sure the City game mattered, right? 100%. To make Put sure the, pressure the City on. game was the title decider. And we'll probably... 
I still think there's going to be some slip-ups and there's going to be a heap of drama come after the City game. I don't think this is going to be just standard and run in because I think City will focus on the Champions League. I think we'll turn around and go, shit, we got the quad we can win. Um, And all of a sudden, you know, I just think squad rotations, there could be an injury or two that throws the squad around, you name it, right? I think that there's going to be a couple of games in this run-in where City and Liverpool will drop points um, and make it very nerve-wracking. But... um, Back to the result, you know, that's the sort of game where Watford is that sort of team where if Foster does what he did against United at Old Trafford, yeah, you know, and he pulled off an outrageous save, I think it was against Yotta, maybe, um, at his near post where the ball comes back across and out to Yotta on the left or Diaz, one of the two. I can't remember. It was I was watching at the wedding and Foster's literally just turned two steps and made himself huge and just kind of like sconned him in the face. Um, but, you know, if... Poster has yeah. one of those days, which he's had in the West Bromwich Albion shirt a couple of times at Anfield. You know, it's sort of he a steps game. up for these games. Yeah, you know, it's sort of a game where it's like uh, title on the line. You need to win this game to make sure that City game matters. Um, because if we don't win that game, then City go win, which they should and they did. You know, all of a sudden it's four points. Great, you win, but you're not you're not in the driving seat. Yeah, the pressure's not there either. Yeah, but um, it's a nice spot to be in, and you know, results at this stage, I. I I would take a handful of nervy one nils that nearly kill me because I'm yeah. nearly dead anyway at the minute. They get us um, there though. Yeah, and get us to win the title. That's great. And if that couples with a uh, FA Cup and a Champions League and we do the quad, um, I'm going to be a very, very happy boy. Yeah, 100%. And look, we'll touch on that decider uh, towards the end of the podcast, but you know, massive, massive weekend coming up now, um, Premier League-wise, not just for the title, but for relegation and for European places all around. Um, touching on City, very comfortable 2-0, scored, what was it, two very... I think the De Bruyne goal was very early um, as well. I remember that sort of notification coming through um, pretty soon after that sort of group of games kicked off. But the big game uh, from that middle bracket that I want to touch base on is uh, Chelsea... Um, it's almost just a capitulation because how Rudiger's goal too that's unbelievable. What a hit! Yeah, just that shocked me because well, I I'd seen that they gone one new up whilst we were still there, and got home. I reckon we got it home around half time, and yeah. whacked it on, and they were one all. I think I turned it off at one all, thinking ah, it's you know whatever they'll be they'll be fine. Wake up Sunday morning to a four one drubbing from Brentford and. Like some of the goals from Brentford were decent as well. Like, I, you're not the same, obviously, not the same level, but and then you couple it with some other results that we've seen from Chelsea over the last sort of three weeks. And I think there's some fatigue around this whole ownership issue. I think I, you, you can't tell me that that hasn't had an impact on the players because you can literally pinpoint where these stumblings happen is from that outburst or from all that you know, external noise that's ended up coming through. Agree. And it's just, you know, you, you're constantly going to be con- like, we, we, how many times have we spoken about it, even on the podcast, but yeah, personally, like when that shift of mindset happens, even if it's only a couple percent at the top level, a couple okay. percent means the difference between wins and losses. 100%. It's that massive. And that's that's when you know you're in elite sport is when that mindset is the difference 
Yeah, and it might not even be conscious. Uh, That's what's scary. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just it's subconscious. Just 2%. And you give any team two percent at the elite level, they're gonna make you pay, even if it's Brentford. And you know, it's not to see Ericsson like dictating the show and whatnot. And you know, the, you know, me and you want Brentford to stay up, so great, it's good. Don't get me wrong, and I like it. And don't get me wrong, you know, as much as I would like to see Chelsea, you know, you know, not be in this situation because of what's happened. Yeah, um, it's gonna make a, it's gonna make an impact no matter what type of elite athlete you are and how good you are mentally. If you don't know what is going on, it is gonna weigh on you. And I honestly think that's the only reason this capitulation has happened. And if you think of it, the manager Tuchel doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what his future's gonna hold. He doesn't know anything. Right? Same with the players and, and the players as well. You know, so for me, I, I, I wasn't. <coughs> sorry, one sec. You're up. It's one of those oh. ones though where you you don't know. Like it's it's hard. Like it's, it it would be hard, and I can't put myself, and I really can't put myself in that position because players are probably uh, have the understanding that uh, can I leave? Like what what's happening? Do I have to wait for my contract to run down? Like there's just so many issues, and no, they're probably not thinking about that consciously whilst they're playing. But you can't ex- like it just doesn't happen. Like yeah, like we dropped points to Brentford earlier in the season when we were away, but. Yeah. There's, it's just, it's it's hard, but it's it's not just one game at this point now. You know what I mean? Like there's been a pattern, and these patterns come, and and we were questioning Chelsea before this happened anyway, because they had some moments where it it didn't look great, but it was justifiable for different reasons. But I'm worried that this, well, not so much as you know what ended up happening on Tuesday, but. You know, that third spot's not sewn up at the moment. And we were talking about how Chelsea were locked in third only a couple months ago. They have opened that door up and Spurs are really looking like they're going to finish fourth. Well, that third spot's looking juicy now and Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, I think, all have to keep, they have to play each other again. So we could be talking about, imagine, like imagine from February... When we were talking about Chelsea being locked in, imagine they miss out on Champions League with this, you know, embarment, whatever the hell it's called, on their transfers and players. Embargo. That would be that is literally disastrous for Chelsea would, if they fall out horrid. of Champions League. It would be horrid, and apologies for nearly dying before, but um, <laughs> uh, this, we're just going to have to make do with how I sound. So don't expect too much passionate demo today, everybody. I know that's going to disappoint Zach. Yes, or Zach. Please feel better with your COVID battle as well, my man. Um, but uh, I, I agree. If, if they go and finish outside the four, it has a massive snowball effect. Maybe the owners that have been looking at buying them don't buy them. You know, the money they could fetch for the club is not money they may not get now and the money they need. Players could walk. You know, what, what does Tuchel do? You know, I'm seeing a lot of reports that, you know, it looks like that hugs going up United, but there's a lot of people that are trying to get United to put in a late, late last massive money push to get Tuchel to move across. And, oh, jeez. You know, I've a, heard it's ma- Ten Hag. Yeah. I've, I've heard that's I've, almost I've, done. I've, I've, heard, I've heard Ten Hag's basically done, but I've heard there's a lot of rumours, according to a few outlets over in the UK, that um, they're trying to maybe get a massive money push to get Tuchel to move because they don't, he doesn't know about his future. And just think, 
think of it as a manager, like you don't know what's going on. Is that an environment you want to be in? I actually think Tuchel doesn't mind it because I think Tuchel's actually bought into the whole, oh, this is Chelsea and I like being here yeah. at Chelsea, which I think is nice for a manager to be like that. Like Klopp is at Liverpool, right? And Guardiola is at City. I feel like he's kind of like in that mold of this is my club, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, um, and I think he would stay. But, uh, you know, if you're a manager and you have to question what's going on, uh, it makes it very interesting and very, you know, awkward. And I just feel like that's coming across on the pitch. You know, no one knows what's going on. There's no direction with the club. And when the club doesn't have any direction, even not even at the elite level, you've seen it in amateur level when a club has no direction, you know, the club just falls apart. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in different codes, if the club has no direction, the club falls apart. You know, I'm going to take, it's going to be a completely different code and completely different topic. But look at the Redbacks for cricket and like, our, you know, local, you know, in our local level, uh, you know, Australian Shield level. They haven't had direction for years. And since that lack of direction of the late 90s, early 2000s, we won two games of cricket since then. Yeah. That's a lack of direction. And if Chelsea go down that route, they're going to maybe spiral out of direction into that realms of where Arsenal are at the minute. Well, it's not even that. Look at Everton. You know, and yeah, you can look at Everton, who I, you know, will touch Similar. on them in a second. But um, yeah, like I, I really fear for Chelsea and I hope it doesn't turn out like that. And I hope, you know, they just steady the ship. They probably deserve to finish in the four because of the first half of the year they had. Um, but at the same stage, if you're Spurs and you're Arsenal, especially Arsenal, because I, I, I rate a bit of Arsenal at the minute. Um Watch out, they're, they're coming and they're yeah. coming really hard, really late doors. And sometimes you just need that uh, that moment where, you know, the horse peels out five wide on the fence and just see it sends it. And if they do that from fifth and, fifth and sixth and get there, then good luck to them. And Chelsea will be the team that misses out and gets picked at the post. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we'll, talk, we'll touch back on Chelsea um, as we wrap around towards the end again. But... Just brushing over Wolves 2-1 over Villa. Leeds one all with Southampton. Manchester United one all with Leicester. Um, again, Leicester robbed of a, a late winner as well. Uh, for, I, it's, a, it's a very soft bow, but as much as I don't like defending United, it's a bow. Yeah, exactly. West Ham 2-1 over Everton, which really puts Everton in a position now that... Um, and then they had the, the catch-up game yesterday as well where they lost 3-2 to Burnley. I cannot believe two things that happened in that game. Burnley scored three goals and Wake Forest did nothing. I know. Um, Anderson is now ruined. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. It's at the top 20,000, so great fun. Um, and second thing is, Everton's been saying, oh, we've got games in hand, we've got games in hand, we've got games in hand. Everton, at the minute, you're getting relegated. Just, just that That's the prediction here. Yeah. They're going down. And that's not what, look, as much I'm a Liverpool fan. And, yeah, you know, it's good for me in the league, and, though. And, you know, and next year or next year on Football Manager, it would be quite a fun beta save or whatever. They have to do, you know, Everton as a rebuild. Yeah, I'd, for I the can't Premier League sake, you don't want to see it. Yeah. Um, other results, Spurs 5-1 over Newcastle. Bit, bit back to reality for Newcastle, I think. You know, end of the day. We've spoken We've spoken about Newcastle a few times when they had, you know, some crappy results and you can only take that group of players so far. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be games yeah. where it doesn't happen and, you know, that's understandable. So don't lose the faith if you're a Newcastle supporter. But the big, the big, big game for me was Crystal Palace Arsenal, obviously 3-0 Palace. Arsenal just the minute we've spoken about this before the minute that the starting 11 isn't the strongest they are extremely vulnerable um 
you saw that with no Kieran Tierney and then you put Xhaka to the left back and Tavares can't play and they can't create an opportunity or if Martinelli's not up front, then there's no dynamism. So there have, and there's actually Cedric played quite well, but it's one of those ones where the minute you have to rely on the depth of Arsenal, they cannot get the job done. And that's where Mike worry is because it looks like Tierney's out for a while. Tommy Asu's still a while away. The midfield depth isn't great and Lacazette isn't scoring. It's not painting a great picture for them moving forward where this week they've got Brighton, who Brighton aren't in great form, but then they go Southampton, Chelsea, Man United, West Ham, Leeds, Spurs. That's a very tough run of games for a team relying on Martin Odegaard, Smith-Rowe and Saka really to, to carry him offensively. Um, I agree. Now, I like a bit of Arsenal, and I think what Arteta's done this year has been good, and I think that their 11 is very good when they have their full-string 11. But this does show that, you know, like you said, the problem is their depth, and especially at the back. And when Zaka's playing left-back, you're not winning many games of football, I don't think. Um, that's not a slate on Zaka, because I actually think when Zaka's in the middle of that park, he's probably in their best 11. So yeah, him and party. Go. Yeah. That creates I, two I, issues, I though. That's what I hate. Yeah. Right, so for me, I still think that they can do it because the games they've got, they've got to play Chelsea, they've got to play Spurs, and if they go on a run somehow and grind out these results, they'll finish at the fourth. But for me, it's how long are these is Tommy Ashley and Tierney out? And if they're out longer term, yeah, then they're in trouble with probably finishing at the four, which look, Arsenal fans may not like to hear this, but maybe these guys need that one more year of, you know, getting this group together. Um, but in saying that, it's easy to get deaf players in and better quality of depth when you're in the top four. So it, it's a double-edged sword, that one. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say, and you echoed it, is when Arsenal do have to rotate, change, or be makeshift, they are a completely different side. They are hot. So, you know, and that's no slate uh, at Crystal Palace. And I think in a perfect world, you wouldn't really rotate against Palace because Vieira has his boys playing pretty well. Um, as well, uh, but I just think the injuries and all that forced Arteta's hand to be makeshift here. It wasn't so. really rotation, though. That's the thing. It's, like, just, they just, it's, just, it's what they had. It's the, the hand they're it's the depth. So they had to play that hand. And know, it's the it's fact just, that they can't get anything out of Pepe. Like, there's no yeah. pressure. Like, the fact that they can't, you know, manage to just find goals is concerning because they have been defending really well this year. And that's the thing. You can't. You, it, when you're in this type of position, you can't just rely on scrapping it because you're going to get found out eventually. And that's what happened in this game. They conceded early. They they set up trying to be the dominant side. And the minute that Palace got that first goal, then they can sit there and say, all right, we know you're not good enough to break us down. So go for it and we'll pick you off the on the break. And that's exactly what happened in this game. And you could just see it coming. And they just didn't have that explosive option to just... Put that like Arsenal, I think, are just a, a lot better of a team with Martinelli through the middle because he can stretch the defense and move people around. Lacazette, you know, he's just not done it, he really hasn't. He's not played the way that they need him to because he's not that type of striker. He's a drop in, pick the ball, create space, but he'd fit our system really well, but yeah, he's not, he yeah, he's not playing their system well. That's correct. 
anyway, so that's Arsenal. Look, the top, they're still there. Like they, st- it's it's them and Spurs at the moment. Obviously, relying on what happens with Chelsea. I think if Chelsea yeah. keep afloat, then you're talking probably just Spurs and Arsenal moving forward. Um, Spurs have Villa this week away, which is going to be tough. Arsenal have Brighton at home. Again, that's tough for Arsenal. I think Brighton aren't in the best form. But again, it's, there'll be goals there. There will be goals. And Brighton do play good football. So there's opportunities there for Arsenal. But there's lots to look forward to this weekend, which we'll touch on uh, next week. Obviously, we've got the big, big, big game Monday morning, which I'm annoyed about because at one o'clock, which means I've got no chance of watching it. But... You just can't lose. Both teams can't lose this game. That's the mantra, I think, isn't it? Going into this game, just don't lose. So it's going to be interesting. Um, there's a couple of ways this game's going to go. It's going to be the most cagey game of the year because both teams realise they can't lose. Um, or it's going to be very much like the game at Infield, which was probably the best game of the season so far. Um and I personally think as much, even if the boys, you know, as in Pep and Jürgen wanted it to be cagey, I don't think it, this game has the capability to be cagey because when tired legs set out about the seventh minute, you look at both benches and I am going to envision that we're going to start our usual in a big game, Salah, Yota, Mane, or Salah, Bobby, Bobby Mane. Mane, Diaz. Diaz has started a big game. Uh, guess who's coming on 70th minute if that's the case? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's Diaz, it's Diaz right? And you're telling me with tired legs, Diaz ain't going to do something. And then you look at City and you can name about five players that can do that. And you just go, yeah, right. Um, so I don't think this game's going to be cagey. K- eh? Secondly, cagey games means no goals or no goals to start it. Someone's going to do something absolutely stupendous in this game to start it. It'll be a... Killer ball by De Bruyne. Mahrez will drop the shoulder and create something. It could be Foden. It could yeah, be Mahrez. It could Mane. be, be Salah doing another thing that he always does. It could be, for goodness sake, Edison or Allison picking a cross off and then hitting an 80-metre ball <laughs> off yeah. the deck into someone, into one of the strikers' feet either side. Like This is the sort of thing that could happen in this game. Now, I personally think we're going to get a very cagey start. <laughs> but, yeah. but... I think this game is going to be goals, and I especially think there'll be goals if Liverpool gets the first one, because I think City will then come knowing that they must get a point if they're going to win the title, because they surely must be worried if we win, that we could win the remaining of the games to win it. And we probably know that if we lose it, it's over. But if we draw, we can have some hope. Yeah. But, yeah, so I think we're the team that definitely has to win on the night, for sure. But I think City know that they've got more to lose in this one than we do, which sounds odd. I just feel like City know that if they wanted to, they could shut up shop for 90 minutes and get a desired nil-nil. And if they try to do that, it wouldn't happen. I don't think Pep would do that. Nah, but yeah. I just feel like when push comes to sub, you're telling me this game has had like 20 shots each way, but somehow Edison and Addison have made like a million saves and it's nil-nil. You're telling me City don't turn around and go, yeah, let's try and take the tempo out of this now because a draw suits us. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like this one could go that way. It'll be cagey or it's going to be the Anfield end-to-end thriller, you know, whatever. I don't see a team getting blown apart unless there's like a red card incident or something like that, which I hope doesn't happen because we want, we want, we want this no, game. No, you want a good game. Is, yeah, we want, we want this game. And I'm, I look, I'm prepared to sit here and I'm happy to lose this game 2-1, 3-2 if it's a great end-to-end game. Yeah. You know, I'll be distraught and it will hurt. But as long as we get a good game of football. That's what matters. 
that to me, that's what's going to matter. You know, I'm going to be up at one in the morning because I won't be able to sleep. And I just want a good game of football. Yeah. Uh, Champions League, so obviously we're, we're halfway uh, through the tyres as well at the moment. Liverpool look pretty comfortable, I th- I'd like to think, against Benfica coming back to, to Anfield yeah. at 3-1. Um, the goal was just frustrating to concede, wasn't it? Just oh, it was. After Canate does so well to score, he just makes a bit it's of a blunder. Feet. He's getting his feet, you know, yeah, and mixed up. Lack. But yeah. um, can we just speak about, not Diaz's goal, but Diaz's assist? Yeah. Man, how good is that header? Yeah, he's unbelievable. Is, it, is there anything this bloke can't do? He's so good. He's I class. I couldn't believe it. It was just like the most knockdown header. I was like Peter Crouch is somewhere sitting there going, that's my boy. Because yeah. it was just the run in between the space and then the header was pinpoint and Mane just taps it in and goes, did that just happen? And yeah. It's like, yeah, mate, it did. I can't even remember who played the diag. Yeah, it. I can't remember either. Pinpoint. I think it was maybe Van Dyke. Yeah, I'm not sure. Can't remember. It was the top right, of my head. right side, but I don't think it was from the right back. So it was a right centre back. I wouldn't have been. The no, Van Dyke was left. It might have been Canate. Yeah, uh, don't matter. I can't remember. I can't remember. It's all a bit of a blur with my mind at the minute. But like we dominated that game. It was all well and good. And then the wake up yesterday morning and see Villarreal has done us a job. Yeah, it was massive. Ninety minutes away from knocking out Bayern. I just, I don't even like. Nah, this is what Bayern did against Salzburg, though. He's one yeah. all away, and then they just went there and blew them apart back in Germany. Just, yeah, but Villarreal have this, you know, they have a little bit of history of doing this. They have a little bit of history of being dogged and frustrating and know how to you get love results. Them. And, oh, mate, I do. I actually don't particularly want to play them. <laughs> it might sound a bit. I'd weird, rather play Bayern. Would, We've beaten rather, them multiple occasions. Yeah, I'd rather play Bayern because they're going to come out and play football and it'll be toe-to-toe. And I think Virgil versus Lewandowski, A, it'll be fun to watch, but B, I think Virgil wins that battle. Yeah. So then with that being said and done, we just then have to marshal the rest of Bayern and they've got to marshal us. And their back four, I think our front three, no matter who it is, gets space and finds efforts at goal. And, you know? Yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun second leg to watch, I think. I just I just think I'd rather play Bayern, as crazy as that sounds, because I think Villarreal could sit there and just they're, they're the masters of the dark arts. I love them. You know, I tipped them for the Europa League last season. They did the job. Uh, I love them, but uh, I don't want to play them because... Yeah, 100%. I just, I, I just think they're a team that once they're in deep in a competition, in the cup competition, you just they don't want them. lose. Yeah, they don't know how to lose. Yeah. And then those are the sort of teams that are dangerous. Yeah, so... Going across to another Spanish team in this competition, we'll just touch on this one briefly. Benzema Hattrick against Chelsea, and yeah, some of those finishes, man. The header going back across goal, the first goal where he curls it, sort of side netting, just unreal, man. And then the I think it was the third, wasn't it, where there's a poor pass back that he gets onto. Um, and seals the game really after Havertz's his header was actually good too to be honest um, but Chelsea we obviously spoken about already but Madrid I can't read them either I don't really know what's going to turn up with Real Madrid um, at their best they're very very good but it's whether they're able to maintain that for longer periods of time and again they're another side that you don't want to see in a, in a competition like this because history will tell you that they are they know what they're doing Exactly right. So I would much prefer not to take on Real Madrid at any stage still because they've got players of quality across every line. And when Benzema is 
playing in career best form, I'd rather not have to face that. So obviously they will go on the other side of the draw. It looks like with maybe Man City um, after they beat Atleti 1-0. But maybe Atletico Madrid do a job and you get an all-Madrid semi-final. Um, who knows? But I think Real Madrid should comfortably get through this one at the Bernabeu. Um, because Chelsea are just all over the place at the moment. So I, agree. I think expect Real Madrid on that side of the semi-final and then Atletico, you never know. one nil's not the end of the world for them. We've seen them in this position before. Um, Man City, though, it's just hard. It's hard seeing a world where they don't finish the job here. Um, yeah, I agree. Because they can play it on their terms a bit more. Like They don't have to allow Atletico to just sit there because Atletico don't have that option. Unless Atletico score an early one, um, then expect them to just sit tight and sit there and wait. But I think as long as this ga- the longer this game stays 1-0 to City, the more likely it'll be that they score um, a second. Yeah. So... I agree. Yeah, I think the expect City and Real Madrid, and that is a monster semi-final. That is going to be massive. It's so huge. That's what I'm sort of expecting um, out of these uh, remaining legs, um, which would be interesting. Whilst we're talking about Europe, I think the Europa League stuff's going to look fantastic too. All draws across the board, I think, except for I think Braga won, didn't they? They beat Rangers yeah, 1-0. Braga won 1-0, but Rangers can come back there. Everything else was one all. So all four of those semi oh, those those legs. There must be another round next week um of quarter finals because they're only playing on one day, obviously. Um look, maybe not, I don't know. I can't remember where they're at. Because they're looking like a round behind, aren't they? Then they gotta catch up. But Whatever it is, regardless, the today's games were just all very, very tight, which is fantastic to see. So, um, lots of good viewing, lots of big teams left in the Europa League too, with um, Leipzig, Atlanta, and Barcelona all playing today too. So, yeah, I'm excited to sort of focus my attention now more back to the Europa League. This is sort of when it gets a bit better once you lose some of those fringe, yeah, look, fringe the teams, teams. That are le- the teams that are left are huge. Like it's a very spicy competition, the Europa League this year, and um. Look, I reckon that could be quite an interesting competition um, and very open as well because you wouldn't say there's a particular favourite there. You know, Barca is probably the biggest name, but... Yeah, even it's then, a very uh, different Barcelona though. It's a different Barca. You know, Atlanta and Leipzig are probably two teams that wish they were any other draw apart from themselves. Yeah. Or Barcelona probably. Um, you know, West Ham and Lyon, um, they're probably thinking if they get through this, they could go on to win it. I think the, the outliers are Braga and Rangers, and they're no mugs when it comes to the Europa League because they've been there and done it all. So I, I just look at the Europa League and I go, usually most years you really don't care until it's the semi-final or it's the final, and you go, okay, here it is, right? This year you look at it and go, you know what? There's some really good ties this year, you know, in earlier stages, now the quarterfinals are really well poised. And, it, you know, it, 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 it it's almost nice having a couple of big teams that have done really poorly in Europe this year that have come into the Europa League and gone, well, we're actually going to give it a go. Yeah. Like Barca and Leipzig and Atlanta, really, and here they are. Just gives the competition a little bit more credit too, which is nice because it's probably needed it. Um, I haven't really enjoyed it as much. The only thing that's really lacking is, you know, pres- presence from the English clubs, obviously, a few of them fell apart early uh, through the group stage. So yeah. um, it'll be nice to see some different 
uh, winners from there. Agreed. All righty. So before we get into some questions, it is also a big weekend of sport. So next week we'll touch on the outcome of the Masters. Yep. One thing I want to quickly brush on before we get on to what's happening in Melbourne is a little prediction I made at the start of the footy season where, I don't know if you even remember this, but I said, I said, don't be surprised if Paul are 0-4 after the first month. And here we are, we're 0-4. So just a little bit of a... Paulie yeah, was yeah, onto we, something. We know that you know your stuff, Paul. My question to you is: Is, is Hinkley going to get the sack? Um, you could frame this question a few ways. Is he? Probably not. Should he? Probably yes. I'm going to do a bit of a reviewy type video for YouTube around this, where I'm going to spend a bit more time uh, breaking it down. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah. So if you are into your AFL, keep keep your eyes peeled. Um, because I don't want to ru- brush over it because I last night was feeling quite frustrated. Um, I yeah, went to the game. First, first time in like your history that you've gone for a half goalless? Yep, first time in AFL history for the club. So, And then it took us till time on almost in the third to kick a goal. But anyway, I'll get into all that stuff um, on the video probably tomorrow. So uh, that will come out hopefully Saturday, Sunday, this weekend. But what I want to talk more so about is the Formula One because we haven't had a chance really to talk about it at all. Um, so some of your predictions have come through pretty well, to be honest, um, with the Ferraris in particular. They've started off very, very strong, which has been great to see. They were looking good today in practice of what I saw before the red flag. So... I'm impressed. I, I didn't think it happened so quickly. So I'm very, very excited for this weekend. Obviously, race in Melbourne, which means we get to watch it at a good time on Sunday. What, what's your takeaways been so far through the first two races and practice this or today? Well, I predicted that we are going to get a half of the points that happened in race number one. Um, thank you, Kevin Magnuson. You are a legend. Um, the fact that guy is driving in Formula One and two weeks before the season, he didn't even think he was driving at all. That's um, crazy, isn't it? Because the amount of neck stress he got under putting so much G. It was like in the second race, they thought he was going to retire because his neck wouldn't stand up straight. Oh, jeez. But that's, that's that. He's driving a car and his neck's flopping all over the spot, you know, because the amount of, you know, pressure and G's going through his body is ridiculous. Uh, but good luck to Kevin. He, apparently he's not too well this weekend with food poisoning, but... Who have they got driving? Uh, uh, No, he's driving with food poisoning. Oh, Jesus. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, he's doing a good old Mark Webber back in Fuji of 07 or 06 where Webber starts, you know, not as bad, but, you know, the story is Webber was at Fuji, starts vomiting in his helmet during the race. It's like, I'm going to retire the car, then ends up in third. And it's like, yeah, no, I'm not retiring because it's going to be my first podium. And then he's in second and it's a safety car. And Sebastian Vettel in his first year of Formula 1 drives to the back of him in the safety car. Yeah, far out. Guy, poor guy has food poisoning. He's lost like four kilos in the car driving on a Sunday. I need to get smacked out in yeah. a safety car. But um, back to back to the uh the the uh the Grand Prix and whatnot is um what I like about this year and what I predicted is I predicted Bottas to qualify in the top ten. Now Bottas has looked absolutely crazily quick. Where he's qualified only in the top ten. He was sixth, I think. And now, you know, was next to Hamilton in race number one, which was funny. 
um, in itself. But he's looked like a guy that if the car's there, he'll finish in the top five in a race this year, which would be monstrous. I predicted a Haas to get points. The Haas has got points. And I predicted five or seven different drivers to win a race this year. The only part of that prediction I think I've got wrong is that the McLaren, when I made that prediction, looked good in preseason. They can't get the car to work. So the McLaren's dropping out of that, but I still predict that we have, what, seven different drivers that will win a race this season. I'm just going to put it out there, and Alpine, in the name of Fernando Alonso, is going to win a race this year. I don't know which track it's going to be. It's (laughs) going to be a wet, dry race, but that's my next prediction. Fernando Alonso is going to win a race this year. Yeah, that would be um, great to see, to be honest. Um, um, the main reason I say it is they look quick. Like, they look outrageously quick like compared to the rest of the middle pack teams, and it looks like there's going to be more speed that comes. What I like about this year's Formula 1 is there's a lot more overtaking, a lot more the cars can be a lot closer and whatnot. Um, and I know some people hate this chicken with, like, the DRS, with cars slowing down so they get DRS and then they can repass the car or whatever. I just think it's a different type of racecraft, like... If you want to play chicken and outbreak the other guy so you get better DRS, go for it. Because if the guy reads you to do that and he just sends it, are you going to catch him? Yeah. So um, I, I don't mind it. You know, yeah, it's a bit artificial, but it's good for racing, you know. When you have Verstappen and Leclerc locking up at each other trying to get DRS, I don't mind seeing that stuff. So yeah. it's going to be a good championship. Uh, what other prediction I made? I made a prediction that Ferrari would win the Constructors, and I think that's on. Um, I made the prediction Verstappen still win the title, and I think that still might happen. Um, and lots to race uh, for still. Part of there's plenty of racing to go, and then if you go to Melbourne, look at Melbourne. This this um is in today because it's Friday, so we've watched practice one and two today. Um, I like what they've done to the track. Uh, I, I can't judge if it's good or bad until we see the race because the whole idea was to get more overtaking. It's a bit different, it's isn't full. it? Yeah, it is. So um, like they it. made it faster. They've got rid of the chicane, which I like the eight, well, the eight and nine or nine and ten chicane. Um, and the reason why they've done that is to make it a big sweeper that's long so they can put in another DRS zone into the uh, now, I think, 9 and 10 instead of 11 and 12 uh, left and right, which is now, like, really quick, which yeah. I like. Um, for me, it's just having four DRS zones and what they've done to the corners will allow them to still overtake or is what they've done to the corners now making them so tight, whatever, make it a bit harder to pass, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, we will only find that out when it comes racing. In the V8 supercars today, it looked like there was a lot of spots for overtaking, but V8 supercars are a different, different kind of though. fish, you know. They're, yeah. they're just V8 cars where you can bully people out the road if you need to to get through. It's good fun to watch, but not pure form of racing when it comes to open wheelers. So yeah. I, I can't judge Melbourne until we see the race on Sunday. But in terms of the Formula 1 season, Paul, be excited because this one's going to be quite close, I reckon, all year. And yeah. God forbid if Mercedes ever found pace, which they haven't done yet, because if they do, then watch out. And they're back in. Yeah, exactly. So very, very exciting. We'll probably recap the the race weekend early next week as well when we're back next week. So hopefully expecting a quick turnaround on the pods uh, coming through. Before we wrap up, um, you mentioned we've got a couple of questions. Do we for tonight? I'll let you fly Um, away. So Dim's just made a comment on um, the thoughts on the Cricket Australia player contract list. I had a brief look at that. It's pretty standard. It came out a few hours ago. Same here. I thought it was standard. Scotty Boland obviously deserving of a contract, is he not? Yeah, 100%. So We should we should just knight the guy, right? So Yeah, nothing major know, there. Nothing major there. I like it. Um, JS wants to know our predictions for the Formula 1 race in Melbourne. Um, I think that, you know, I think... Um, Very open. 
Yeah, I think it's open. I think we're going to get a race where Leclerc wins from Verstappen and then from Saints. I know that's pretty boring. Yeah, it's just going to matter um, on I, qualifying, if I think. I, if I wanted to give you an outrageous prediction, I reckon Alonso sneaks on the podium. Um, I think just the, the Alpine looks quite good this year, this week. I yeah. think the Alpine's just only going to get better. Uh, my other prediction is expect to see Bottas finish in the top six. Yeah, I think hopefully just for Alpha's sake, you know, just to get some... Some more strong results would be fantastic for them, but... And I think they're doing it the right way. They're putting a lot of parts more in Bottas' car. Yeah. I think that's what you kind of got to do at that level. You know, look, if you're going after him, if you're going yeah, after yeah. him, you got to treat him well. you got to look after him a yeah. bit as well. So I I, I'd rather I'd rather see qualifying before I make anything major, but, you know, I'm just excited as a neutral just to sit back, enjoy it, I, and see what happens. I just hope for a lot of overtakings and I predict JS a lot of overtakings and there's 40% chance of showers on Sunday. Brilliant. Melbourne. So of course it could be is. the first time we see rain and it's Melbourne. So <laughs> Fair there's enough. always rain or rain about. And there is a question from Dim as well, which was meant for the pod when we were meant to film it last week, but we got way too busy as well. Um, and uh, he was like, the thoughts on Ross Aloisi leaving LA United for a coaching gig in Japan, which has actually happened. He's actually gone, and David Murray's now in charge as the assistant coach of Adelaide United. Yeah, um, part-time. We, 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 can't, we can't stop coaches from... Um, no, we've got to let them develop. Yeah, yeah. and um, my thoughts on that is if he's good enough to get the job over there, then so be it. Well done to Ross. Um, yeah. You know, he's, got a, he's actually got a pretty good coaching resume, and he's done a lot of work with, like, youth teams and whatnot. So Ross obviously has a good head on his shoulders, so... I don't mind that. I think Damien Murray is uh, a, an outstanding uh, assistant coach for Carl Viet as well. They're good mates and they get along well and have a very good understanding of football, both of them. So um, I, I only think it's a good move for Adelaide and good move for Australian coaches in general. You know, you get one guy going to Japan, you get one guy coming in that, you know, I've done some work under for a few months that I think is fantastic. So I think it's only just a, it's only a good thing for Australian football. Yeah, I'd agree. The more coaches we've got taking on international roles, or not international roles, but roles overseas, I think it's just better to get more exposure. So who knows? Hopefully it allows Ross the opportunity to expand on his coaching and, you know, maybe he can propel that, you know, career into some, you know, European success or... I agree. Lastly, it's just the, it's not the legacy, but it's the pathway that Ange has built now. You know, that you have that way to get into, you know, Asian, you know, Asian yeah, main leagues in football, yeah. you know, um, to get out of Australia. You know, he's built that pathway that you can now as an Australian coach jump into Japan, get noticed and jump into Europe now. And, you know, there's articles coming out that if Guardiola leaves in the, you know, in two seasons time, that city are going to go pick up, you know, Ange. It's like, hang on, what? We're going to have an Australian coach at Manchester City? Yeah. You know, so when you start seeing those sort of, you know, Things being released, yes, that was released by Optus Sports, so I don't believe sold of it. But you know, when those things are being released, you know, you, you start thinking, you know, there is a pathway for Australian coaches now, finally. And you know, hopefully, there's better coaches around the corner, and hopefully, one of those better coaches take over the soccer roost job because Graham Arnold probably doesn't deserve to be there. Well, surely the incentive is to get out of the A League. Surely you wouldn't want to just, like, even for Calviet's sake, surely you wouldn't want to just stay in in the A-League because... It, just, it depends what you want, but I would agree. I think if you're a young coach that wants to better themselves or you want to make it your career, like as in a proper career, 
Yeah. And not even a proper career. That's probably a bad way to say it. You know, you want a, you want, you want to be, to be top a, tier. You want to be top tier. You, know, you want top a top tier career. Yeah. But you know, there's nothing wrong. I think, you know, and I'm not saying this is what Carl Vitt wants to do. Give me one second. I need to take a drink. I'm going to choke. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. So for those, yeah. someone like Carl Vitt, who's been around, he's probably set up with a family, probably doesn't want to travel. He's probably happy to stay and just, you know, be yeah, at, his, exactly. at the club that he, you know, finished at. But and there's nothing wrong than staying in the A League and staying local. And you know, if it means that maybe after Adelaide he goes and does a job somewhere else in Australia, that's fine. It's not too big of a setup to move, depending where you're moving to, of course, because Australia's quite big. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of coaches that are just quite content staying in Australia to work in Australia. That's great. Good on you. That's good. But I think there has to be a pathway which Ange has built. And I think if you're a younger coach on that demographic, your your goal should be, I want to coach at the highest level. I want to coach in Europe. I want to coach in the Prem. Or, you know, if you're someone that fantasizes about, you know, Serie A football, you want to coach in the Serie A or Spain, you know. So, so have that ambition, go, you know? yeah. And you have to have that pathway. Yeah, just build it. It looks like Ross is now going down that pathway. And good luck to Ross. And hopefully he does a better job than, you know, some other coaches that have gone across the, you know, Asia before him. Um, and he can kick on um, and hopefully follow in Andrew's footsteps. And if he doesn't, that's fine as well because it's just good experience to bring back to Australian football as well. Yeah. Nice way to finish, I think. Um, that is. It was a good question, that, Dim. Sorry yeah. it took us two weeks to get to it. Yeah. So we're approaching episode 50. So hopefully we'll be there um, in the next couple of weeks. So we might have to start thinking about what we're going to do for that one. So if you've got any um, suggestions for what we should do for Ep 50, let us know. I've got a couple ideas that I'm going to put to you, Damo, off of the podcast because I've been thinking about a few things. But also yeah. let us know what you want us to talk about on episode 50 as we do approach because it will actually fall in the school holidays, which means I get a bit more time to prepare myself, which is fantastic. Um, oh. But well, thank you once again, as always. That's okay, mate. Anytime. We've survived. Um, I have just, which is good for us. And get cozy and get ready for the footy because we're half an hour away from Brisbane and Geelong. So that's a big, big game for your AFL lovers out there. Damo, I'm going to let you sign off before we wrap everything up. I will be better <laughs> and I will get over COVID is my promise to the pod um, right now. But in terms of signing off, we will know next time we are talking podcast who is going to be the Premier League champions this year because oh, this statement. game is going to be monstrous or I'm going to have egg on my face because someone's going to slip up in yeah. the running, which could probably happen as well. But what I'm trying to get at is it's going to be another massive week of sport. And as always, we're going to try our best to be back here next week. Life sometimes gets in the way, but as I know next week, there's not a wedding. There's not a cricket presentation because <laughs> I've got COVID. There's not nothing. So yeah. we'll be back. We're back. And, over to you, Paulie, to sign us off. Have a good one, Pod. Thank you, Damo. So from episode 47, thank you, guys. Once again, make sure that you are getting into the Discord, which is in the description of this episode, if you want to leave your questions there and get amongst all the action within our community. Um, we'll also see when Damo's live on Twitch and myself and when we're uploading on YouTube. So... From me, thank you very much for your ongoing support and we'll see you very, very shortly for episode 48 of the PD Sports Podcast.